You're listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast. Welcome to another great episode of The Whole Truth podcast. I'm Paul Armstrong. I've just finished having a chat with Dr. Jason Burton. He's the Managing Director of PolarX. As the name suggests, PolarX is working fast and hard in Alaska. The company just announced a whopping increase in the resource base at its Caribou Dome project. It's got 160% increase in the resource, uh, 224,000 tonnes of contained copper and 1.5 million ounces of silver. Uh, as Jason points out, this has been a long time in the making, but it's all just starting to come together. He also has a company known to many people on his register called Northern Star Resources. The big Australian gold giant obviously loves what the company is up to in Alaska and also through its gold projects where it is drilling in what is nothing short of elephant country. Jason's a very experienced operator. He knows the area well and he gives us a very insightful assessment of what the company has and the great outlook, how it plans to make money for shareholders by growing the resource, drilling more holes and doing a scoping study on Caribou Dome. So let's hear why Jason Burton thinks the outlook is so good for PolarX and its shareholders in this tier one location. This was a whopping increase in the resource, Jason, 160% increase in your inventory. Uh, it looks like it was a uh, overnight success that was three years in the making. Yeah, it's probably a good, good way of putting it, Paul. Um, we see we've had hampered progress during uh, during COVID for everyone industry-wide, but uh, the, the ingredients were there for quite some time. Uh, we'd done a lot of structural mapping on the ground and that had improved our understanding of the potential continuity between uh, drill hole intercepts in the past. Added to that, our drilling success in 2021 where we had both wider uh, mineralized intervals and significantly higher grades to what the historical work had done. So that really did underpin our confidence for going back in there and reassessing all of that and building a new model and ultimately coming up with these new numbers. And you've got a so 160% increase giving you, what, circa 225,000 tonnes of contained copper, another 1.5 yeah. million ounces of silver. How should we see this in the scheme of things, Jason? How substantial is that resource and is there more to come? Yeah, so if you've gone from 86,000 tonnes contained copper to you know, almost 225,000 tonnes, which is uh, an enormous jump in the sense that it takes it from just a pure exploration sphere to, yeah, this can convincingly go down that production path. But we've by no means exhausted the exploration upside of the Caribbean project. This current resource it starts at surface and goes down 300 metres. The previous resource was actually projecting down 450 metres based off some scant information from drill holes. We weren't confident enough to say we can go down that deep. But what we've done is increase the confidence along strike with uh, the ore lenses. And that really does add a lot of tonnes when you can do that. So from section to section, we have better structural confidence based on surface mapping and some recent drilling. Um, but we think that we can go a lot deeper due to the few holes that do go deeper. They go down to about 450 metres. And what they do show us is that the geology continues down there. We just need to get um, through uh, more drilling at depth 
to bring the resource down. Now, can, if you consider we've only gone down 300 metres and you add another 150 metres, that's a 50% increase in the depth. So it gives you an idea, steep dipping ore body, we know the geology does increase at depth. We've just got to put a few more pierce points in there to get our confidence up. So that itself points to significant exploration upside at Caribou Dome. And if it continues beyond those steps, you know, you can start putting the numbers together in your head to what sort of thinking we've got of how we can improve this. So that, that, that will be music to the ears of investors, won't it? I mean, that's shareholders look at these things and say, look, talking about project development is terrific and it shows that you now have confidence in the scale of the project and the outlook. But the really juicy, low-hanging fruit comes in and growing the inventory, doesn't it? And extending it along strike or down down depth for what, from where you already know you have the mineralisation, that's where the uh, the instant value creation is, isn't it? It, it is exactly, Paul. And another area that we, we feel like we can uh, improve the resource is also in the grade department because historical work done in like 1960s, they were doing, without getting too technical for folk out there, they only did aqua region testing. And we think that, you know, when you have high-grade uh, assays, uh, samples that you hit the lab with, and if they're not prepared for it and they're only doing aqua region, there's a good chance that a lot of this um, copper didn't get fully digested. So that's why we think the more recent drilling from 2015 to now is significantly higher grade than what they had in the past. So there's potential to increase the grade in the known areas and continuing in that down in depth as well. So you've got a few challenges there, haven't you, in terms of the weather? Obviously, location in Alaska means uh, there are some restraints on drilling times. There's, I hear there's the odd stray bear wandering around as well, just to add to the excitement. Well, how, how, do you, how do you deal with these things to ensure you can keep the... Uh, the news flow going. Yeah, well, I think one of the keys is to get uh, further down the development path so you've got more semi-permanent infrastructure in, in place. By that, you can keep the roads open for longer into the season. Uh, the other thing is trying to um, limit uh, the amount of work you actually have to do like, in relation to core uh, on site and try and... Uh, utilise depots at, say, Delta Junction or maybe even uh, talk to Northern Star about what assistance they can provide nearby as well, seeing they've got the POGO operation. That will help uh, you know, get in there and do a lot of the drilling, but you don't necessarily have to do uh, further processing on the site. So you can extend your season that way. So obviously a lot of your focus is clearly on growing the resource further. You're obviously confident about what what is there. You've got good reason to be confident. But you talk about uh, the revised scoping study and feeding this latest resource figure into the scoping study. But a scoping study, I take it, isn't by any means shows that you're at the end of the road. It really will help steer you in the right direction with further growth. Is, is that a fair comment? Yeah, well, the way I view scoping studies from an explorer's point of view is these aren't exhaustive um, undertakings. What they do is they kind of steer where to focus your targeting so that you can grow your inventory um, uh, the most rapid way in the shortest period of time. So in that scoping study that we've been focusing on, we've also got the um, the Zackley project. And once again, that's open, a very open system, uh, great grades as well. So 
where it helps us exactly is to focus more on the sulfide uh, component rather than the oxide because whilst there's great oxide upside there, uh, you'd be doing a sulfide plant before you did an oxide plant. So taking the exactly resource to greater depth will give us more bang for buck, so to speak, and focus our exploration in that way. And we weren't going to get to that outcome without having done the scoping study. So that's why I like scoping studies as I'm doing my exploration because it really does focus the better dollar value um, that you spend in the ground because the ultimate objective is what production outcomes can we get out of the exploration. And so how far exactly from Caribou Dam, where you've just announced the resource, what's the distance? And would you put a plant somewhere in the middle or at one or the other? Yeah, it's about 35 kilometres. And the existing scoping study was focusing on mining exactly first, and hence you would have processing plant there. The revised work on Caribou Dome is bringing the priority back to Caribou Dome. So you'd be looking at Caribou Dome for a processing plant. You'd improve the roads between the two, um, and you'd be using Caribou Dome as your base now. And then just truck the ore up from Zackley. Yeah, correct. Yep. So what are you doing now? What, what's the timetable on, on the ground? Okay, so uh, one thing I did neglect to mention was that this is the maiden resource estimate at Caribou Dome for silver. So the, now the importance there is that we need to investigate it further, but in theory, silver should float as you're floating the, uh, the copper and producing a concentrate. So it should be able to give us a good credit. Now, the important, the significance there with Caribou Dome is um, a 10% concentrate is what the metallurgists are telling us that we uh, would be producing without getting too uh, high in your costs to separate the, the, to liberate the copper there. So you, you do take a bit of a freight hit. Now, the, cop, uh, the silver could be seen as a credit that mitigates that extra freight cost, um, and that w will help the uh, project dynamics moving forward as well. So the, the, the silver, one and a half million ounces, I mean, that's, that's a substantial amount of silver, isn't it? It, it paves the mm. way for pretty low costs when you apply the credit, I would have thought. Exactly, and we've got silver in uh, exactly as well, and we did do the MET work on that, so... We know that you know, the silver there floats, so it's not a big stretch to see the silver uh, contributing significantly at Caribou Dome as well, pending further work. But that that's why I like doing these scoping studies so that we can troubleshoot this sort of stuff very early in the exploration play. Now, one of your biggest shareholders is Northern Star. How did that come to be and what do they have? So Northern Star uh, approached us in December last year. They took... 10% of um, 10 stake in uh, Polarex. Look, they are, in geological terms, neighbours uh, in Alaska with the Pogo underground mine about 90 miles from where we are. Uh, they've been keeping close watch on what we've been doing and are very interested in the production scenario that we're building um, in Alaska. They're also quite keen on uh, our Nevada assets I think that, you know, they've got eyes on increasing their uh, foothold, I guess, in uh, North America. And Nevada is another jurisdiction that's well regarded. Uh, it's considered quite a safe jurisdiction. And 
uh, its world's premier gold mining uh, district. So I think you know, Northern Star likes what we're doing in um, Nevada as well as Alaska. So has Northern Star told you what their plans are? They have designs on, on you, Jason, or are they in a bit of a watch and wait mentality? Well, I mean, I can only extrapolate a bit. You know, I'm not in, an insider with them in their way of thinking, but what they have asked is how can I improve the uh, focus, I guess, on the Nevada drilling programs and and find more bulk tonnage uh, gold mineralisation there, which is why I'm doing IP surveys across that. Um, I can only gather that they're interested in a bulk mining scenario out of the Nevada district. They do like the Humboldt range and consider it a an emerging like uh, Carlin trend in Nevada. And for the listeners out there, you know, the Carlin trend is the big um, open pit district in Nevada where you've got the big uh, miners like the Barrick and Newmont guys and that's how you're getting your three-plus million uh, ounce output per annum out of Nevada. It's big open pits, low grade, but bulk tonnage and uh, enormous scheduling. It's not dissimilar to the super super pit scenario. So they're happy for you to be their eyes and ears in what is a potentially, you know, elephant country. Uh, Exactly, you know, and you've got... Uh, elephant country in Alaska as well. You know, the Caribou Dome and uh, Zachley projects are situated in uh, elephant country. You've got big systems up there. So the exploration upside in both of our uh, projects, uh, in my view, is enormous. So you've obviously got some great tenements, great holdings. You know, uh, Northern Star's involvement is a big vote of confidence in the prospectivity of what you've got. What would you say to your shareholders, to ex-shareholders, Jason, who say, how are you going to make money for me? Where's the value creation coming here? What, what are the, the two prongs of this strategy? Well, I think with respect to value creation in the copper space, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a long-focused uh, bull in the copper market. If you look at uh, the global sort of numbers that you know, likes the city group are putting out, it's painting quite a shortage picture uh, that's looming. We've got uh, copper demand increasing with the energy metals and battery metals transition uh, for the emergence of electric vehicles. And one of the issues is, you know, where is all that copper going to come from? Yeah, barely, uh, a week got- goes, barely a week goes by, does it, that we don't see another report from one of the big Wall Street firms talking about the, the forecast copper deficit and what that will mean for prices, particularly from sort of, you know, 25 onwards, that would seem, oh, okay. to, seem to suggest your timing could be perfect. Well, that's 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 right. Um, one of the problems that copper's uh, facing is that, you know, it's getting most of its production out of um, very large but very old mines, and uh, th- three of them are in Chile, and they have all sorts of infrastructure shortage issues like power, um, environmental issues, the fact that the grades are dropping and um, the mines are going into uh, smaller production scenarios all the time. So, yeah, copper is a worrying space if you're um, uh, looking for supply. Um, It's good for explorers like us. I think we're well positioned with great copper projects. We've also got the added issue of uh, gold, you know, um, with big governments just printing money around the world and devaluing currencies. Uh, a lot of people are looking at how do I preserve my my wealth and they're 
no surprises there. They're going back to the traditional method of building up their stocks of gold. Now, that's also helping underpin uh, very high historic gold prices. So Polarex is positioned there. They're very well for that value, value creation section. Well, you know, we find more inventory in gold and uh, in copper. I, I think we've uh, done a lot in value creation and at some point we'll have... Um, large ticket items that we can monetize. It's a fascinating equation. So you're really saying you have you have plenty of copper now and growing at Car- mm-hmm. at Caribou Dome along with Zachley. That's a you know, you're confident about the outlook there, you add value for shareholders by adding tons of copper and ounces of silver. Uh, you then talk to the the gold story, obviously the, the one that's attracted Northern Star by and large. Um, elephant country, potential for game-changing discoveries there. Northern Star wouldn't be there if they didn't think there was plenty of upside there. And then you're obviously both projects or, or collections of assets in a Tier 1 location in North America. Uh, the company would seem to have elevated itself to a, a whole new level on the back of the resource upgrade, the Northern Star shareholding. It's, it's You're getting up a, a head of steam, really, aren't you? Yeah, it's... Um it's taken time to build it to this point, but one of the um, well, the critical thing in my view as an explorer is to have that resource base that underpins you to be um, significant enough to then uh, see a production scenario a scenario emerging. So you've made, you've still got blue sky potential, but you've got enough to get into an independent position for yourself as well so that then you can at some point generate your own cash flow, right? And you, you can continue to exploit the exploration upside of these great projects. And it's it's no mistake that we've got the projects we've got. I've spent a long time uh, working in exploration and uh, seeking um, projects like this uh, and building them and putting them into the portfolio. They're also in very safe jurisdictions for a very good reason. I've worked throughout Africa and uh, South America in my time. Uh, so it's always been a high priority for me to develop um, assets in uh, great jurisdictions because uh, you don't want to find it and just have it taken off you. And that I, is something that a lot of investors have seen happen time and time again in the past. I said at the outset that it was an overnight success. It was three years in the making. I, I think that's probably a reasonable description based on what you just told us, Jason. You have spent a lot of time acquiring these very desirable pieces of land and projects. It looks like it's starting to really come together for you. It's a funny thing, the market, isn't it? You can do all this work below the waterline for a long time, get little recognition, and then suddenly overnight uh, the market says, hey, I, I like what these guys are doing. You sort of wonder whether people have been watching you for, for three years, but it definitely seems to be coming to life the share price got a nice nudge on the back of the resource, but still relatively cheap, I would have thought. Yeah, I think it's um, uh, undervalued. I think we've created a lot of value, and uh, particularly it's come to fruition in the last 12 months. Uh, with the market, you've got to take a long-term view. Ultimately, in the long term, uh, the rewards will come. Uh, I, I'm a great believer in uh, you know, copper and the precious metals, uh, gold and silver, they're always uh, on people's radar, you know. That uh, people are either in love with gold or they quite like it, but I've never found someone that hates it. So, uh, bearing that in mind, and that we always need um, copper for industrial uh, purposes, 
um, and going into structural shift with en energy transition with battery metals and so forth. Um, it's always a, a, it's a favourite of mine. You get your boutiques, um, you get your, your uh, commodities that um, fall in and out of favour, but I think that uh, we're well positioned with uh, the commodities that we're in and I think you've got to keep that long-term focus in mind because expiration has its cycles. Commodity markets have their cycles and some of them um, don't do more than one cycle and they're not really the spaces I like to play in when it comes to generating returns for shareholders. Well, Jason, you and, your t you and your team have obviously done a fantastic job. You've built some great parcels of land and now you're really starting to show the benefits of that. Perhaps the market is now waking up to what you've got and the outlook for it and the location, the tier one locations. Well done on a, on a great, great hard slog for the past few years. Uh, hopefully the market will continue to give you some due recognition and we look forward to watching the results as they flow over the next few months. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Paul. Appreciate it. You've been listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast produced by Resource Media, hosted by Paul Armstrong for Reed Corporate. Please note that Reed Corporate does not provide investment advice and investors should seek personalised advice before making any investment decisions.